You are listening to A Taste of Romumu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romumu, please visit romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. The creation of the world seemed to be a very orderly event. It would seem to be that out of primordial, mythic, consciousness, chaotic beginnings, the God of the book of Genesis, the first chapter of Genesis, is a very orderly God, container store God. (laughs) Everything in the first chapter goes into the right place. The first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, every day has its very beautifully, hierarchically structured order. And I'm not the first one to say this. This is something very clear already from literature. This is a polemical move on the part of the author and authors of this beautiful, holy text to make a statement about the God of Israel, the creator God. Our God is a God who is orderly. Our God is a God of, of design. A God who is in some very deep way, the way this is read, in a polemical relationship with Near Eastern gods, mythic representations, there is a transcendent order. If one were to read the Bible and say that is Judaism, though, one would be mistaken. Because there are many, many nuanced understandings of that creative moment. One of them that I'm sure many of you are familiar with is is in some sense the revenge of myth. When Isaac Luria came along in the 16th century, the Ari, the great Kabbalist, introduced a different cosmology, a different, a, a very different way of imagining that first chapter. For the Ari and for that whole world of Kabbalah, What you see in front of you in chapter 1 of the book of Genesis is actually the end of a very long process that you don't see. As it were, that which comes before the bet, the first letter of the Bible, there is a whole background. There's a whole fraught background. Basing himself on the Midrashim, on Midrashim, the rabbinic folk tales, that in the beginning, before God created this world, God was boneh olamot umacharivan, God was building worlds and destroying them. Those worlds which we never got to see. Those destroyed first attempts. Creative potentials that never became actualized. Make up the myth of the broken vessels. A world that doesn't begin with order but with chaos. A world that begins not with wholeness but fragmentation. A world that is not made of perfection but born from the imperfect, the almost could have been. The Luria, Isaac Luria's cosmology is unstructured. And he introduces us to what is called the world of Tovavo, a world of chaos of creativity, of formless on the face of the deep, a world that doesn't accord 
with all of our expectations, a world of deep uncertainty and unknowing. That's the beginning of the world for Luria. And into that world, he says, there's a world of tikkun, a world of six days and then a seventh day, a world of order, a world of dependability and reliability. I introduced this to you tonight, and I hope you're listening. Because there are those who would argue that at the end of the book of Exodus, as we've come to the final moment of that great story, that arc of history as the Jews left Egypt and arrived at Sinai and received Torah, and then there was the building of the Mishkan, and we're about to enter into the book of Leviticus, the centerpiece of the five books of Moses, the most important element of the Bible. There are some who would argue, like Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who writes eloquently and beautifully that the Torah's ideal is to teach us that God creates order where man creates disorder. The world is chaotic because of man's activities, and God invites us into creating order from the chaos that man perpetrates, that man creates and fosters. And so the Mishkan which anyone who's ever studied the Bible knows is an almost ex- literary parallel to the creation of the world. All of the words used in the building of the Mishkan were used in the building of the world as if to say, here comes another world that's called man's world, Mishkan world. And just as God created an orderly world in Breshit, in Genesis, well, we make an orderly world. And then this end of the Torah, Exodus, we're ready. Everything is perfect, just as it should be. But there's a problem with that, everyone. You see, there are a number of ways of understanding why we had to build a tabernacle. And the obvious one, for anyone who's read the Torah in a certain reading, is that the tabernacle is not only in Weber's term, in Max Weber's terms, the routinization of charisma, that we had a mishkan, a tabernacle to bring Mount Sinai down so that we could live in a holy relationship with Sinai. The mishkan is what we get after the breaking that happens at the golden calf. The mishkan, the tabernacle, is the result of sin. The tabernacle is a huge band-aid, a huge gaping wound in the Jewish psyche at the end of Mount Sinai, Har Sinai. The tabernacle, the tabernacle is a painful reminder of that great ouch that took place following the greatest imaginable moment in Jewish history, receiving Torah, receiving revelation, having clarity, absolute clarity. The tabernacle comes to say, we made a mistake. We fell, we broke. Here it is. And so it shouldn't surprise you that for me, one of the most moving midrashim, one of the most moving rabbinic 
understandings of the tabernacle appears in this week's Torah reading. This week's Torah reading, which is the last of the chapters of the tabernacle, begins, Ele Pekudea Mishkan. These are the accountings of the Mishkan, a detailed report about everything that happens in the Mishkan. The word Ele, which means these, it triggers in the rabbis' minds another Ele. And here is what the rabbis say. Amara Kadosh Baruch Israel. The Holy One said to Israel, at the moment when you made the golden calf, you angered me when you said, this, the word, this is our God. But now that you have created the Mishkan with these are the accountings of the Mishkan. I've forgiven you. The very thing that broke you when you said, this is our God, Israel, the very word, Eleh, you pointed to a golden calf and you said, this gold is going to be a calf. This gold will be our mistake. That very gold will now be used in the Mishkan. That very gold will be used in the Mishkan as a symbol a reminder of your mistake and also a remembrance that you can ask for forgiveness. That it's possible in the very thing that you fell to rise up again. Rav Tzadik Akon from Lublin, a great Hasidic master, said that in our story about the Garden of Eden, about the eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, there was no apple, although apple is what usually people think happened there where there was an apple. There was no apple. There was either figs, he says, grapes, or wheat. And along the theory that it was a fig that we ate, he says, isn't it interesting that we ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? We sinned. We fell. We made a mistake. And immediately after that, we were given fig leaves to wear. He says, in the very thing that we fell by eating from the fig tree, we were given a fig leaf as the possibility of lifting ourselves up from the world of tohu vavo into the world of tikkun, from the world of confusion, the world of brokenness, of shattered chaos, into the world of, of healing. And what's amazing in the Mishkan, everybody, is that it was interwoven. It wasn't like all of a sudden we had an ordered Mishkan, it was perfect, everything is great. From the confusion, from the chaos, from the pain, the Mishkan emerges forever as the possibility of doing tikkun. A tikkun that includes the brokenness. So I bring this this evening. I bring this to you. Because as we enter into the month of joy, of Adar, the second one this year, which has in it Purim, the holiday of paradox, the Mishkan stands as an expression of that paradox, of the union of tov, avo, and tikkun, of confusion with wholeness. It stands as a reminder to each and every one of us that the possibility of forgiveness is ever-present. 
I often hear from people, you know, Judaism doesn't focus on sin and redemption. It's all about celebration. There isn't no such thing as original sin. There's original blessing. And I want to tell you something, friends. Each and every one of us as human beings stands at Mount Sinai every day and then at the golden calf the next. Each and every one of us in our lives needs to hear over and over and over again that it's possible to build a mishkan. That it's possible no matter how far you've fallen, kisheva yipol tzaddik v'kam, it doesn't matter how broken you've become, how much despair you have. Rav Nachman of Breslov said once, if you believe you can break it, you have to believe that you can fix it. If you believe you can break it, you have to believe that you can fix it. The mishkan is not a promise that the world will ever be perfect again. I'm sorry to Rabbi Sachs and others. There is no such thing as a perfectly ordered God world. There's just this world. The world that we have that schleps with it all of the worlds that we didn't have. These are the words of Rilke who wrote that God speaks to each of us as he makes us and then walks with us silently out of the night. These are the words that we dimly hear. You sent out beyond your recall. Go to the limits of your longing and embody me. Flare up like flame and make big shadows I can move in. Let everything happen to you, the beauty and the terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. So don't let yourself lose me. Nearby, there is a country they call life. You will know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand. I feel tonight that the Torah is extending a hand to all of those who have been told that there is some kind of perfection that they have to reach, a perfection that doesn't include both the beauty and the terror, the broken and the whole. There's a crack in everyone and everything. That's how the light gets in.